Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Today, we are going to do part two of our uh, technology in the media conversation. Uh, I say part two, but uh, we had 10 topics in the last one, Rochelle, and we only made it through one of them. So we'll see <laughs> if we make it through multiple today. Maybe, maybe not. We'll all uh, we'll all find out uh, together. <laughs> so uh, I, I want to make sure we start off by doing this properly. You know, so this is Drew at the movies. And we have a <laughs> segment called Drew at the movies. And in this segment, Drew tells us everything we want to know about entertainment and technology. And what's remarkable about that is Drew is a data analyst, security, and all of that kind of stuff. But yet still, he's a movie aficionado. So it is always a good idea to talk to Drew about the movies. So the last time we talked a little bit, we talked about how secure streaming services are, why there are so many of them. Mm -hmm. And I think we covered that pretty well. But I want to start off by asking you, Drew, first, can you describe what is blockchain and what role does blockchain and AI play in, in the making of entertainment that, as we know it today? So blockchain, so blockchain is an immutable ledger for keeping track of things. So it's a network of hundreds or thousands or, you know, millions of computers that all have to agree on a ledger of things. So it works out really well for Bitcoin because that gives a way to track transactions without a single source of authority. You have hundreds or thousands or however many uh, sources of authority. I don't think blockchain is specifically used in movies or the movie making process, at least yet. However, AI is used in the movies all over the place now. Um, there were a couple, uh, just this week, I was reading about a couple of pretty cool anecdotes about AI use in film. Uh, one was talking about making film quality better using AI. And you can now, like Rochelle, me or you could go to the store and buy this piece of software that will use AI to turn your DVD into a Blu-ray. <laughs> like they go in and you can get an old movie that may be, you know, a resolution of 1080 and you can upscale it to uh, 4K just with software. And that uses AI to like sort of fill in those holes because usually if you have something that's low resolution, like 1080p, if you blow it up to 4K, that's four times the amount of quality, four times the amount of pixels you can't really do that because it's just going to make all the pictures bigger. So you're, you may have, you know, more resolution, but it's going to look off and it's just not going to look right. What AI can do is it can fill all of that missing data in. Uh, it's not perfect. Like a big complaint about it is it still makes things look a little wonky. It's not quite as good as, well, it's not as good as film. It may never be as good as film, but it's going to get close. So I thought that was one interesting use the other really cool use that I read about was, uh, are you familiar, this is a horror movie, so you probably haven't seen it, and it also made me like a sweaty mess while watching it, but there's a film called Fall that came out last year, and it is about uh, two women 
who get stranded on the top of a radio tower. Like they go up there as like a urban exploration uh, thing to, you know, film themselves and then the ladder breaks. So they're stuck, you know, I don't know how high, it, how high up in the air it is, a couple miles in the air. When they filmed that movie, they were going for an R rating. So there were lots of curse words through the whole thing. Uh, and then once the movie had completed filming, got wrapped, they were shopping it out to different uh studios to try and get it out there and the studio that wanted it said we want it but we need it to be pg-13 so you can't be dropping f-bombs through the whole movie so you know one option would be to bring all of the actresses in uh re-record everything or even like react everything because you know if you're dropping an f-bomb your mouth is making a certain shape and you can tell that shape no matter what you're at no matter what the actual audio you're hearing so what they did was they used AI to change the actress's uh, lip structure and face throughout the entire movie. And you would never know that what they were saying was not what uh, they recorded. Uh, and the movie did really well. Like it made a lot of money. It probably made a lot more money being rated PG-13 than it would have uh, being an R film, just because more PG-13 films are more accessible to people. And, you know, people are more willing to go see pg-13 films unfortunately as opposed to an r film uh so i thought that was like a really cool use of ai in a film where they said in some ways i think it's stifling artistic creativity because that's not necessarily the way that the director and the actor actresses intended the movie to be seen but it still got the movie out there and the movie did really well it was really well received and i think they're doing a sequel now so i would call it a success <laughs> Absolutely. And, and and I think that we probably can expect more from artificial intelligence in movies to the point where, okay, you know where I'm going with this, right? The robot's going to make the movie, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. The humans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's uh, when we went. So we saw two movies this weekend. Uh, one was Dungeons and Dragons, which was great. Uh, Neither of these are horror movies. Don't worry. So, so Dungeons and Dragons is the movie Thief, Honor Among Thieves? Yep. Yep. Oh my God. Can you just give us a rating? Uh, I gave it a four out of five. I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, was it dumb? 100% yes. Like, uh, were there awful moments? Absolutely. But it did its job of, uh, I felt tense through the whole thing. There were moments where I was laughing. There were moments where I was crying. Like it was, it Great brought out there. all the emotions. <laughs> Great. And what was the other movie you saw? The other movie was uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is a completely CGI film. Uh, it's about the video game Super Mario Brothers, but, uh, you know, everybody's CGI. They got uh, voice. They got the voice acting was decent in there. Uh, but that movie, you know, being CGI, it is 100 percent computers, right? You don't see a normal person in there. And you could almost say the same for Dungeons and Dragons, like Dungeons and Dragons was not by no means 100% CGI. Because uh, they had dragons. They had uh, creatures, unknown creatures in that movie, right? Uh, like dragons and things. I couldn't make out what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. There were like dragons and there was like an owl bear that was really funny. It's It all sounds very stupid, but it was an incredibly entertaining movie. Oh, and Chris Pine from uh, from the Star Trek films. He was probably the best part in it. So how would you rate the Mario movie? I think I gave that one a three or a three and a half out of five. It was, it was, it was solid, but it wasn't 
great. It felt sort of like a cookie cutter. It, it was very heavy on nostalgia, which, you know, I like nostalgic things, so that's fine. But I don't know that I would ever watch it again. Like it was just sort of, uh, it's a popcorn movie, right? You watch it, you eat some popcorn, you have a good time, and then it's done. So just to be clear, there is no movie you will not see, whether it's a children's movie, a scary movie, you the entire gamut of movies you like, right? Oh, so Rochelle, I watch I watch Twilight. Twilight's a could be considered a garbage <laughs> movie, but you know, to be able to have that conversation, I at least I only watched about half of it. I got about halfway through. Okay. <laughs> it's good to watch even things that you don't like, uh, just to sort of see what's out there, I think. And you know, I have not watched all of the Twilight films and I don't really have a strong desire to. Uh but I at least tried the first one. And speaking of Twilight, and I don't mean to go off about Twilight, but the Twilight, the original movie was uh, directed by, I forget the woman's name. Uh, uh, but anyway, like, she did a great job directing it. Like, awesome. The movie did amazingly. Like, it made, you know, I don't know how many billion dollars and then spawned all the sequels. Like, it did incredibly well. And I was listening to an interview with her, and she was talking about how when she was making the movie, the studio was like, listen, this movie is going to flop. Nobody really likes Twilight. Like, it's going to do awful. Just, you know, take your paycheck. Be happy you got to make it and, like, never talk to us again. And then the movie came out and it did, you know, amazingly well. Like, people love the Twilight books. Tons of people went out to see it, made a ton of money. And she was talking about how when that had happened to her, like, male colleagues with the film they would get like, you know, the studio would give them uh, a new Mercedes Benz. Like they would get tons of bonuses. And she was like, you know, it's finally my time to shine. Like I put this movie out. I did such a great job. And she said she was waiting in her office for the studio to come in. And they came in and they gave her a cupcake and said, congratulations, your movie made a lot of money. Uh, we're going to hire somebody else to do all the rest. And it's just like, what a slap in the face, you know? <laughs> like... And that I is, wonder, like, would they have done that to a a a different director or a director that wasn't a, man, a female? A, a man. Would they have yeah. done that to a man? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically a white man. Yeah. And like, I think the answer is no. Like, they wouldn't have. He would have got a new Mercedes Benz. <laughs> or something else. But, 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 but going back. So first, I want to talk about the movie that I know you're going to see this weekend. And so I just want to tell for our listening audiences, I will be in the hospital on Friday and Drew will be at the movies watching The Pope's Exorcist. <laughs> I want you to know this is going to be an exciting Friday. Whoever knows how the surgery is going to come out and Drew might come out of the movies possessed. Let's hope so. <laughs> it looks so terrible on the previews, Drew. It just looks awful. But it is very reminiscent of the original. It, yeah. you, know, the, you know, there's no uh, spit pea soup flying out of her mouth, but my God, or his, I don't know what that is, but whatever it is. So are you definitely going to see it this weekend? So it's either going to be this weekend or next weekend. The movie we're definitely seeing is Renfield, which is the Dracula. It's gonna, It's actually a sequel to the original Dracula, which I find very cool. But it has uh, Nick Cage playing Dracula and Nick Holt playing Renfield, the okay. sort of like Dracula's assistant. And it looks... I won't say it looks good. It looks better than the Pope's Exorcist. Uh, <laughs> I could have made the Pope Exorcist. That's how terrible it looks on the previews. And I don't even know anything about making movies. You know what? 
there's something I can't put my finger on about the Pope's exorcist and why it looks so bad, but it, it must be Russell Crowe's like Italian accent and that like something about him talking and just saying that his boss is the Pope. It all just seems so awful. Yucky, yucky, <laughs> yucky. But, but I want to go back to, you know, so um, in terms of the types of movies out there and how technology is in the movie. So we all know it's coming, right? It's, it's coming faster. So, mm-hmm. Most of us, when Toy Story or some of those other movies came out, we were shocked at what CGI could do. And, mm-hmm. you know, just want to be computer graphics, you know, CGI's computer graphic interface. But, but you know, back in the day, you know, Bugs Bunny, you know, another one of my favorite television shows, for sure. I'm, I'm a child of the 60s and 70s. I'm sorry. But Bugs Bunny and uh, El- Elmer Fudd and... Uh, was the duck's name daffy duck daffy the technology looked very seamless on the screen i can't imagine what they must have had to do in the background because literally they're moving pieces of paper to make people move and talk and all those things so comparatively from there to toy story to super mario the progression of the technology is very obvious right you could see it's there but it's still um, I don't even know what the right word I want to say. Dis discombobulated some, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, like if you think about um, Bugs Bunny and and what well, it was it called the Bugs Bunny show? I can't remember what it was called. I think but- so, or just Looney Tunes, maybe. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But that technology literally was just humans doing manual things. Where now they can program all of these characters on a computer. A Mac, just for y'all who don't know, they did all this in Unix, not Windows, um, that produce this type of film. So do you see that CGI? And let me let me go back and finish asking my question. So looking at gaming, like so video mm-hmm. games. So you know that EA Sports and uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Madden have created characters of like pe- people. So people that exist like Stephon Curry or Michael Jordan or... Mm-hmm. Larry Bird, they, and it looks also discombobulated. But is that a reflection of where the technology is, and will that be corrected in new, newer iterations of CGI and other types of technology like that? Yes, absolutely. I think uh, I would say probably within the next five to ten years, I would I would bet it's going to be really hard to tell the difference between a CGI generated character and a character on film. And we already sort of the interesting thing there, and I think sort of what you're alluding to is I think they call it the uncanny valley where something like if you watch a cartoon, let's say Bugs Bunny, for example, it looks really good because you don't expect Bugs Bunny. You don't expect Bugs Bunny to be a real life looking bunny, right? Like our brains know that that is not a bunny standing up on his hind legs and eating a carrot. We know we know it's a cartoon and our brain sort of accepts that where it gets weird. And I think uh it specifically came up in the uh what was that tra- as a christmas train movie polar polar express that's exactly it that's exactly it and they started doing cgi to make look, characters look realistic and it just yeah. it just wasn't there and yeah. like our brains as humans know when something is wrong and i, I was reading an interesting uh study about uh uncanny valley and they sort of equated it to you know like we have an evolved like piece of our brain that knows when something is off. Like we know thinking about zombies, like 
of course, zombies aren't real, but zombies are like sick people. And your brain, you know, on a subconscious level wants to stay away from sick people. And I think a lot of that comes in with Uncanny Valley as well. Like if you see a person that doesn't quite look like a person, your nerves, like your brain starts going, hey, stay away from that. That person is not the person that you think they are. And that really like yanks people out of film where I think they've really gotten good with it is not necessarily doing people, but doing uh, structures and scenes. Like there are, I was looking at some screenshots of, there's a movie called The Wolf of Wall Street, which is, if you were to look at it just on oh, its I face. Yep. Yeah, like it's just a it's just a movie. There's no like fantastical characters in there, but they use CGI to just fill in everything. Like there would be a conversation between two people on a bench in a park. Well, they like filled in the park, <laughs> you right. know, like they weren't sitting in a park or they may have been sitting in a park, but they weren't sitting in the park that you see when you uh, see the film. Like there's a scene where they walk a lion through a uh, a pit of stockbrokers. It looks super realistic. Like it looks like they brought in, you know, probably a tamed lion and walked him through a crowd of extras. Uh, when in reality, they didn't do that at all. They filmed the line somewhere else and then just CGI'd it into the scene. And it looked I'd, like I, I never would have thought that was a CGI scene until seeing it later. Yeah. And I think that th that part of movies has gotten like really good. And even thinking about the Marvel films, uh, when we're looking at these huge battle scenes, like, yes, there are actors in there, but they're not wearing their costumes. They're not, you know they're just surrounded by green uh even i was this is i'm always amazed by the like the little things that they make cgi but like when spider-man pulls his mask on and off that's completely fake he's not wearing a mask he's just doing a hand gesture and they have gotten the cgi like sharp enough so that it looks like he's pulling a, a cloth mask down and i think that's where it's really shining right now and unfortunately i think they're going to get that to that level with people soon like there's already talks of uh, actors having to negotiate for their digital rights. Like uh, Bruce Willis, who unfortunately is he's got a degenerative brain disease right now, so he's not able to really act anymore. Uh, but there's talk of putting his likeness using AI onto other characters and still doing it. Like, and you part of me thinks like I think that's great if his family gets some money from it or if he gets some money from it. But what about when he doesn't consent to that? Or what about when? Uh, say an, an act or a director says hey we want you to be in this movie we're going to give you a couple bucks but you don't even have to show up we just want to be able to use your face and voice to throw on there right. just don't do anything and i feel like that's bad like that's not it is bad yeah. it is bad yeah. but but how is that different from a hologram right so you remember holograms came mm -hmm. out to replicate instances of people and things so and i realized we we're talking about different types of technology but like say in the instance of bruce willis and he's in our prayers and thoughts uh mm -hmm. we love bruce williams specifically the fifth element oh <laughs> yes absolutely i'm glad you brought that up Rochelle. that movie is so awesome it's so <laughs> awful but it is a great movie it is absolutely you know drew one of these days we're going to go through our movie catalogs and compare movies and no but um I love the fifth element. Every time it comes on TV, I watch it. My husband says, oh, yeah. You've seen that a million times. I know, but I need to see it again. You yeah. know, uh, it's funny, it's, it's cheesy, but it's yeah. a good movie. And, and it's also like hard sci fi. They got a ton of cool sci fi stuff in there. 
Absolutely. So, you know, as we look at the progression of the movies, and we probably could talk about, like, when we get together the next time to talk about Drew at the movies, we'll probably end up talking about these things. But, you know, like, I think that what's so amazing about movies from 2000 going back, right? Mm -hmm. People were required to do things for it to tell a story. So, one, the actors had to be able to tell us a good story, right? So, Mm -hmm. so. Black Panther. Sorry. You know, I'm sure you're tired of hearing about Black Panther. No, not at all. Black Panther's amazing. It's an amazing movie. But then when you look at it to Endgame, oh my God, it doesn't even look like anything comparatively, you know, right? So, but then you go back, look at Superman. Remember the Superman movies or the Batman movies? They are awful today compared to the Marvel series or the the new Star Wars series, right? Mm -hmm. They have learned and the technology has evolved. What's frightening about that is two things. One, what if they decide they don't need your permission to use your likeness? So somebody sees you like, so you did not give permission to anyone to be videographed or taped. But every time you go into a store, a bank or anywhere, you are. So Mm -hmm. if they were to get that information by some means other than your consent, and you don't give consent for your likeness, but they can create somebody that looks like you, right? Mm -hmm. And they say in the world, all of us has a twin. We Each of us has someone in the world that looks just like them somewhere, right? Uh-huh. So the law is so great that they can manipulate that. So I take a screenshot of you, your height, your shape of your face, your eyes, your all stuff, and I create my own drew. And that would be great. I wonder if I could do that. Can I clone you? <laughs> oh, I sure. Get all my programming worked out. I can figure <laughs> out how to become a gazillionaire. But, yeah. but that said... What what's to prevent them from doing that? You know, for movies to go away from humans, but to complete automation because they have likenesses. And if you can fix the disjointedness that's in uh, CGI and other kinds of movies that are like mm-hmm. that. But I will say, Toy Story, even coming forward to current present day, you know, they remade the Adams Family as a CGI. They did um, what's the other Tim? Uh, what's his name? Uh, his Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Um, his Halloween story, you know. Oh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. You know, so all of these things have great technology because you could watch it, right? You weren't thinking, oh my God, this is the worst movie. Like uh, Blair Witch, worst movie ever of all time that I have seen. I can't speak (laughs) for others, but it's just absolutely awful. And I don't like scary movies. It wasn't scary. (laughs) Some people walk around in the dark with a flashlight. I think I'm going to make a movie tonight. I'm going to walk around in my yard and be scared of every tree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mean, it might do well. Unfortunately, it's already been done. But if it hadn't been done, you probably make a lot of money. Right. So, so, but my point just is, it's like, is there a chance we're going to get to a place where movies and entertainment moves away from the human aspect of it into more automated things? Because one, you don't have to pay millions of dollars to the actors. You don't have to give Brad Pitt $20 million every time he makes a movie. You don't have to have these extensive sets that you have yeah. to make these movies. So what's to prevent them from going that direction? What's to prevent the concept of automation completely in the movies and entertainment? So I'll start off by saying it's something that we or like the actors or Hollywood, whoever's doing it, it got to keep a close eye on. The slight, uh, I guess a slight good thing about this is that one of these battles happened in 1986 or 87. Uh so you know, Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, the father in that was Two played was by. Two was not good. I just want to go on the record. Two was not good. One was excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, so the father is played by an actor named uh, Crispin Glover, and he didn't want to do part two. He was like, 
I like doing part one. I don't really want to do part two, cast somebody else. And they said, okay, we're going to cast somebody else, uh, but we're going to put prosthetics on them that make them look exactly like you. And that's what they did. And he sued them and won. He sued, it may have been Steven Spielberg or uh, Robert Zemeckis, the director. But he said, you know, hey, like I said, I didn't want to do the movie. That doesn't mean you can take my likeness and put it in the movie. Like if you want to recast me, recast it with a different actor, but you got to live with the consequences on that. That actor should not be like made up to look like my twin. And he won that. And now you can't do that in a movie. So like, if you wanted to make a new Die Hard and have Bruce Willis's character, you can't put a character in prosthetics to look like Bruce Willis. Uh, it's against the, I think it's against the uh, union rules now. I don't know if it's technically illegal per se. But I think that's good. But I think that battle's coming back around now exactly with CGI, right? Like, and where's the limit? Like, can you make someone look similar but not exactly alike? You know, well... Right how similar is too similar is like hairstyle and you know facial hair enough or hair hairstyle facial style plus nose like it's very hard and it's i mean it's something that uh specifically hollywood is going to have to figure out here and actually make work because it's it's tough and uh in my opinion it should air on like the actor's uh consent because if the actor wants you know if they don't want to do it fine uh, if they want, if they're okay with somebody else taking their likeness, let them give that permission. Don't do it without their uh, consent, because that's you know that's their livelihood. Like actors, not all actors are uh, Tom Cruise rich. Like most actors need those, uh, <laughs> you know, they're living movie to movie. Like it's not. Uh... You're like the rest of us, huh? Yeah, 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 exactly. So, but you, the, the, but 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 think about it from this perspective. So the consequences of this can be both good and bad, right? Someone's died. A great actor has died. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't know who would be a good example of that, but a great actor has died. And he's uh, like the uh, actress who played princess Leia, like they used her right. likeness in a film. Right. Or, 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 you know, so the person has died and their family has no problem with creating a digital image of them and mm -hmm. using that in the movies and whatever. They just want a small feat, you know, if mm -hmm. you will. That's the good part of it, right? So you can keep a character alive and you can see that character forever and ever. You know, we can believe that we can live forever. I think we all think that. <laughs> but, so you yep. can do that with the character, right? But on the other side of that, you know, so when an actor that is very popular, you know, I don't know what a good example of that is, but a very popular actor dies and there is no living family to state about his or her wishes. And so the movie says, oh, we're going to bring back uh, what's Phoenix Rivers. I think that's the one of the... Oh, River Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rivers. Yeah, yeah. So we're yeah. going to bring him back because he was such a great actor. He made great impact. We're going to bring him back. And no one's there to object. That's mm. one side of it. The other side of it is think about it from the perspective of black and brown people, right? So it seems like the United States systematically keeps black and brown people marginalized as much as they possibly can. So in order to keep that train of thought, like, you know, you had a few people escape Michael Jordan. He's a billionaire. Oprah's a billionaire. But for the most part, the majority of black people are, I'm sure there's some, all these other levels, mm -hmm. but middle-class and lower, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're going to take James Earl Jones, who's not acting anymore. He's retired or um, Sidney Poitier. And you're mm -hmm. going to take their images 
and make movies with them as a way to one, not pay black actors and two, to have a way to have the character say and do whatever you wanted to do. Because like you take Bugs Bunny, or my, my, my bunny, they made him do what they wanted him to do through those automations. So CGI has gotten to the point where it's so much better now than what Bugs Bunny. I mean, like when they make, they have um South Park. Have you ever seen oh, that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I have to take three Tylenol before I can watch it. And then I need <laughs> to have two more drinks after I watch it. I'm so bought. I want to, I'm in the TV screaming at these people. Yeah. But the point is, is that the automation is so good. You believe it. Yeah. You believe the nonsense that they are talking about or whatever it is that they're doing. So the, the bright line in movies and in entertainment, like with digital likenesses, like we talked about this earlier, you don't give permission to have your pictures taken. So what rights do you have to your own digital likeness, right? Because specifically, they have said that each of us has a twin. How can you prove it's not it's you and it's not your twin? Or maybe... You could take me and I have green eyes instead of brown eyes, or maybe I have blue hair instead of black and gray hair, you know, whatever you could do this and possibly do it without participation from the person who you're imitating. Right. So that would be a very interesting movie, Drew, to have your clone take over your life. Oh yeah. So they found this thing that they put all these appliances on to make them look like Drew. Yeah. And now this Drew is walking around and this Drew is not a techie. This Drew is a movie mogul and he's making movies left and right, you know, with people that don't exist or people that he's not acknowledging that they exist. Yeah. So, and so the the industry as, as a whole, this is probably a long way off, right? Probably 20 or so years. I, I don't think it's 20 years. I think it would probably be, I still think something like that is less than 10 years before they can make a complete copy of uh, an actor's like, you know, complete persona and, uh, and they can use them like a puppet as like making choices. Yeah. And I would say like, before we started this conversation, I was sort of thinking it over my head. And like, if I were a a famous actor and I didn't have a family and I died before the conversation, I would have said, let them do whatever they want to with my likeness. Like, I don't care. But hearing your thoughts on this, specifically around Sidney Poitier, like he has a legacy that goes like far beyond his life. And if people could use his image, I mean, that makes his legacy not as good. Uh, And even thinking about like uh, not Sidney Poitier, but uh, thinking about a white actor like uh, River Phoenix. So they bring River Phoenix's likeness back, uh, put him in a movie, movie makes a million dollars. Everyone's happy. Well, what about like the actor that didn't get that role and got uh, looked over for a movie? Like maybe uh, that actor was a young black actor that uh, was, you know, just get, getting ready to like have his career blow up. And instead he's replaced with someone that, you know, isn't even real. Like that's awful. It is. And 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 the problem with 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 where with where technology is going. So I just recently got approved to write this book and I've been trying to write this book for years, you know, and this specifically looks at marginalized communities and technology, you know, and when you think about each one of these things, you pull out a topic, blockchain, AI, machine learning, automation, whatever it is, you pull it out and there's bias in it. There are pieces that discriminate against all people, not just black people or brown people, but but all people. So, you know, you've got all these things are inherently built into products because we bring ourselves to our work, right? 
So it's not like you, the, the Jew that is the Klansman doesn't walk in the door when he goes into work. He puts on the Jew that is the nice guy to work with. So you bring your personalities with you to your work. And there's mm -hmm. nothing to stop that work from going too far to the left or too far to the right. We have done some amazing jobs of portraying people's lives and stories, great storyteller movies out there. You know, I would say, you know, when you think about movies and your movies of all time, and you don't know anything about this, but there's a movie called On Golden Pond. Mm -hmm. I, I watched that recently, Rochelle. No, you did not. You're not even old enough to know what that is. <laughs> but it's Jane Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn. It is an amazing, amazing movie. And mm -hmm. I think it was the last movie for Henry and uh, uh, Catherine Hepburn. They didn't make any more movies after after ongoing because they were pretty old at that point. But the portrayal of those movies of human emotions, human beings, ordinary people, Mary Tyler Moore, it's exceptional movie. Oh my God, it's the movie every parent should watch. You know, mm -hmm. in the event that you lose a child, because how do you do it? She deal, dealt with it poorly because she the, the child that was her favorite died, right? And so the one that's living gets all the pain. But the stories that they tell are simply amazing. And I don't mean no disrespect to Super Mario's and Toy <laughs> Stories and all those other. You don't get the emotion out of automation. You do not. And for people who are out there creating these things, if you're creating it simply for entertainment purposes, you don't want, you don't care, then make a dry square movie. But if you're putting in human beings and then you're adding automation in with it, the human beings is what make that movie. Great. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Even, the, even the scary movies, it's the human beings that make those movies great. You know, if you think of the omen, oh my God, you can't automate the omen. I mean, that little boy, oh no, it was the shining. It's frightening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's frightening when he sees those two little girls, you know, and then you come up with your new favorite movie, Megan. It's like <laughs> you, I assume she is an automated thing. She's some kind of appliance that they've created. But yep. the model of a human being, right? Oh, so yeah. They modeled it after a human being. It's frightening, Drew. It's oh, yeah. frightening to think that we would automate ourselves out of humanity. Well, have you ever watched the movie? Uh, it's a Steven Spielberg movie. I think it's called, it's either called AI or Artificial Intelligence. Yes, I've seen it's. I think it's called AI. Yeah, yeah. And it's about a like child robot who, uh, you know, gets estranged from his family. And it was uh, Stanley Kubrick, the director of The Shining, originally wanted to direct that movie. Like, he loved it. But he wanted a real robot to be able to play that child because he said, like, you know, young actors can't portray a robot, so we have to wait until a robot can portray a child. So time went on. Uh, he passed away. Steven Spielberg got it and said, yeah, like, I really want a robot to play it. And uh, then he met that Haley Joel Osment from The Sixth Sense and was like, actually, this kid could play a robot. Let's do that. And the kid did, like, an amazing job. Like, he did a really great job of portraying a robot as a child. But I sometimes wonder, like, if they hadn't made that movie, uh, when did that come out? Like, I guess it's going on, like, 20 years ago now. Like, they might be able to use a robot if they were to do it now. They may not need that child actor to be a robot pretending to be a child, they might just be able to get a robot or a, or a CGI representation of a robot. And would it be as good? I don't think so, but it might be close. Yeah. You know, I, I think that... I love technology. I'm so glad that God let my feet walk in that path and become a technologist, but it is every single day is getting 
more scarier and more scarier and more scarier. You know, there's so many things that most of us don't even think about, right? So I'm hoping in this podcast we do hear people get ideas and start thinking about these things and thinking about way to ways to ensure a safe society. So I know we don't have much time and I still have a gazillion questions about the movies and automation, but I, I want to ask this one part. So North Carolina is on the track to approve online gambling. Mm-hmm. And so what's really interesting about blockchain, which you described for us that blockchain means it seems like online gam- gambling would be an excellent example of something that would fit nice in the blockchain, oh, yeah. right? So keeping track of all your transactions, you know, even if, if uh, like if you go, I don't know what a gambling site is, but if you go to that site and that site is hacked, you still mm-hmm. have a resource that has your information. But as you look at online gaming, and I assume it's legal in lots of other states, just just now getting to North Carolina, do you see how governments could legislate gambling? So like right now, you you could bet your entire fortune, you could you could lose your house and everything else. There's nothing mm-hmm. to stop you. And the technology is going to do like, it's just like Gmail, Google. Like if you start typing an email, like I start almost good morning before I can even get my comma and it says Drew. It's Drew is already on the end of it, right? So imagine that in gambling, right? Yeah. So you're, you normally bet on the the Mets. I don't know why anybody would bet yeah. on when you got the Yankees <laughs> right across the street. But let's just say you normally bet on the Mets and you bet $5. The automation now starts doing it whether you want it or not. It just mm-hmm. automatically, it says, this is your favorite. You like doing this. You bet this three or four times. Let's do that. And I'll tell you how I found that out possible. Uh, when I call Noodle Bowl to all order before I can even finish. Hello, Rochelle. Welcome back. You want to get your second, your second <laughs> order again? And I'm like, oh, my God. So think about yeah. that in gambling, right? So they can have that process. So one, are there any concerns about AI and gambling in, the, in, in a way? And two, do you see gambling like going the way the fintechs have, you know, these online banking banking things where you could borrow money from the oh, gambling yeah. site or you could store money in the gambling site that you're trying to hide from your boss or your wife or something. You know, how do you see technology in gambling? In so, gambling? Absolutely. And I know a little about gambling is maybe the only vice that I haven't picked up, which I'm, I'm very happy about. <laughs> but uh, the sort of interesting thing that I do like about gambling uh if even if we go back 20 years and think about like Las Vegas, right? Like physical slot machines and things like that, where you're going in and you're pulling a lever and then you see these things spin. And if you randomly get the three right things, you get a bunch of coins that start shooting out like in the movies and everybody's happy. Like that's not random. Like that's all generated specifically by a computer program that knows exactly how often to ca- to, uh, right. to release pop. those three numbers. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And the random numbers. It knows, you know, it knows the algorithm of what your chances of winning are very small. That's what, <laughs> what they were saying. They are just small enough to keep you playing. <laughs> exactly. Is is what they want. Like they want right. you they want you feeding at those quarters with a little glimmer of hope that you're going to get your money back. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, but you're not going to get your money back because you're going to keep chasing and once you win once. I, uh, my my short story about this is uh, whenever it was little, I think it might have been five or six. We went on a cruise and uh, we were like, I don't know if this is still the same, same in cruise, but you could put your child in daycare and the child had a magnetic bracelet that matched your bracelet so that anytime the child moved, you know where the child was, uh-huh. which is great. But anyway, so 
we put Everett in the daycare, if you will, and we go down to the gambling things. Drew, I put my, uh, they give you these uh, cruise line dollars. It looks like a, a silver dollar, it's probably cheap, but they put it in there uh-huh. and I won a hundred dollars in quarter. Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> they got $300 back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, you probably remember the $100 you win more than the $300 you lost. But I felt bad about it, but yes. Yeah. But like, it's still like you still get that like dopamine rush when you get all that out. And like, I don't know, maybe it was worth it. You know, like (laughs) if you had a fun time. It was fun, but it was, you know, one, you got to keep putting those dollars back in. Right. And so every time you hear go clink in there, you know, you pull the lever. And of course, you know, it comes up with Two grapes, two grapes, and then an apple. Like, yeah. okay, what is this? But but it's 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 anyway with online gambling, right? So you know that there's an algorithm that's determining what the numbers are, right? So you know sometimes the lottery, you know, it'll put four, five, six as the sequence of numbers. How it picks those numbers says a lot about the way the program was designed, right? So yeah. what numbers it picks. But to me, what I think is most frightening is that you link your financial institution to your online game gambling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I have always said, if you're going to do anything online, go get you a, a your bank. Every bank has an online card, a, oh, a yeah. card that you can get. It's it's not tied to your bank. It's just tied to a sum of money. Yeah. It's like and a disposable be, debit card or credit card. Right, right. To be safe. And I think that that's one of the things that when we think about online gaming and gambling, right. So, Online gaming has been around for ever a long time. It's been around. Uh, do you want me to mention the Atari? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. And Donkey Kong. You know, all of these games were digital games that you could put on your computer or VCR or whatever it is. Now, you don't need any of that. Yeah. You just need to go to the site, log in with your credentials, you know. And again, this one little side, keep your, your gaming credentials separate from your other credentials. People are out there, bad people are out there, but yeah. you go and you, you you log in and all that stuff. So you don't need all that stuff. The, the, the pieces that are out there to consider, you know, one, you know, are you going to get some malware or something from that site? You know, mm-hmm. you never know if that site's been hacked, especially if it's popular. Somebody's aiming for it, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Site. So you want to make sure that your credentials aren't linked to other credentials because if they do, they got you. Yeah. Keep two, those passwords different. Absolutely. Two, I think that... At, at, at some point in time, you have to have a real discipline about being online. And we talk about this all the time. And I know we're out of time, Drew, but being online with anything you do, you should be as cautious as you are with your children because that's yes. your money. Yes. <laughs> that's your money you're playing with. So, yes, yes absolutely. Uh, and it's just like, like you're saying, like have good password, uh, pol- maybe not policies, but practices, right? Like don't put that password. Don't use that same password on multiple sites unless you want them both hacked at the same time because every site's going to be hacked at some point and that password is going to get out there and you just want to minimize the risk as much as possible because you can't bring the risk down to zero like it's just not it's not going to it's not going to happen so keeping your passwords different uh keeping your bank account not linked to every single thing that you want to sign up for all of that helps and it'll just ease the pain down the road right absolutely so thank you everybody for uh, listening. We will be back. Uh, we'll be back next week, but uh, just note that there'll be a little bit of a, there will be a virtual gap. You will, you will continue to get the weekly podcast, but uh, we're all going to be thinking about and praying for you, uh, Rochelle, during your uh, surgery. And we hope everything goes well and we can't wait uh, until you're back up and at it.
I cannot wait either. I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate all your thoughts and prayers, but uh, I think you all need to send Drew some movie titles to go see. I doubt that there's something he hasn't gone and seen, but y'all need to keep your movies, send Drew your movies so he can tell us about those movies. We love Drew at the movies. 